It is a health risk going out into the community during a pandemic. It's also emotionally trying. Unless you do it, you don't understand food insecurity. It's one thing telling them what to eat, but how do we help them better afford those choices? There's a lot that we don't know and that we don't see when we are in a hospital or in an outpatient setting. Seeing that is going to change how we practice medicine. Honestly, some of those interactions have been the best of my life. Hello and welcome to episode six of Hunger in Hamden, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I'm Ben Bogardis, a journalism professor here at Quinnipiac. This is a show that looks at the innovative ways people around Hamden, Connecticut are working to fight hunger and food insecurity. In this episode, we're going to hear how future doctors are learning about the real-life health impacts of hunger and food insecurity, and how they're helping people in the middle of a pandemic. Quinnipiac University's Frank H. Netter MD School of Medicine welcomed its first students in 2013 making it one of the newest medical schools in the country. It's also one of the most innovative. In addition to learning things like anatomy, clinical skills, and patient care, students are required to volunteer, ideally in an underserved community, and complete a capstone project before graduation. But many students go far beyond this. One group even formed a volunteer corps to help others during the pandemic. One area they're making an impact is in leadership roles in the fight against hunger and food insecurity in Hamden and New Haven. My name is Anna Pohl. I am a second year medical student at Frank H. Netter School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. I started volunteering at the Lowe's and Fishes Food Pantry in June. It's located in the basement of the lower level of St. James, St. Paul Episcopal Church, which is at 57 Olive Street in New Haven. My title is Team Captain. My name is Anush Kalikian. I'm a second year medical student at Netter School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. My role at the food pantry is that I am one of the co-captains. Basically, our job is to coordinate all of the volunteers so that everyone else knows what they're doing. We are doing like a whole array of different things, to be honest. It's kind of organized chaos. In a typical day, I come in a little bit earlier than the other volunteers, get the workplace set up. Every day we pack bags of food for people experiencing homelessness and food insecurity. We actually have a giant assembly line set up. So we have buckets of food and everything that's part of the line. I know they were giving about 200, 300 bags pre-COVID of food every week. And that number has then grown to become up to 1,200-ish bags for people post-COVID. So the need grew tremendously throughout that time. I'm James Kramer. I'm the executive director of Loaves and Fishes. But the Netter students have been invaluable. In all honesty, when we made the commitment to step up and lean in and do more work, we didn't have them on board. And when they came on board, we were like, now we feel like we can actually do this. <laughs> so we really appreciate them helping us fulfill that commitment and really get food to folks who need it. And they have stepped up to keep things flowing and get people in and out very quickly. And so they have just been nothing but reliable and competent and wonderful. So I really appreciate them. They're definitely leaders. When I'm working with these people at the food pantry, I get to talk to them and I really get to hear about their lives, how they're surviving right now. 
honestly, some of those interactions have been the best of my life. A lot of them thank you. A lot of them express how much they know it's difficult for us to get there, especially during COVID. I also helped deliver groceries to one of these apartment buildings that house underserved populations as well. I had this great conversation with this lady who just said, I can't believe that there are people out there doing this. I can't leave my apartment. My leg hurts. I can't walk. I don't know how I would live without getting these groceries from you guys every week. So it's been pretty impactful for me to be able to talk to these people and really get to know more of their life. Why I do it is because they literally people would be hungry if it wasn't for volunteers. Unless you do it, you don't understand how our country feeds the people in need. And so you don't really understand food insecurity. Obviously for medical students, it's really important to understand where your patients are getting their food, what's the quality of food, how difficult it is for them to get good quality food. So I've always been really interested in kind of fighting food insecurity because that's just such a basic human need for living. During COVID especially, there's not much that I could have done as a medical student. I don't have the proper credentials to be able to go out and help. So it was nice to be able to find a different way to help people. And I feel like as a future physician, my whole goal is to help people live and prosper and be healthy. And obviously food is one of the most basic steps to be able to get that. I think for all medical students, everyone's going to be dealing with people who are underserved, whether we realize it or not in some capacity. And I think it's important to be able to work with them outside of the medical facility where we can really see what's ailing them every day. There's a lot that we don't know and that we don't see when we are in a hospital or in an outpatient setting. Seeing that is going to change how we practice medicine. The majority of people in the pantry are volunteers and putting in a tremendous amount of work and time and organizational skills and for free. And it's wonderful that people are willing to do this, but it made me think about why can't we have some type of institutional change where we don't rely on the goodness of citizens in order to feed the people in our communities that are most vulnerable. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. It's like, wow, this is wonderful. We have such wonderful giving people in our communities that are willing to volunteer or work for little to no pay. But it's also sad that we rely on people's benevolence and goodness in order to feed the core of our community. And it's just sad. And if it weren't for volunteers, then literally people would go hungry. I wish there was a better way to attack food insecurity. It's such a huge problem because it's such a basic building block of life. And the fact that we're not able to provide food for all of these people, that's insane to me. We need to figure something out, whether it be different environmental practices to be able to grow more food on more land, or whether it be more businesses like the food pantry, whatever it is, however we can attack food insecurity, something needs to change. But it's not just medical students who are volunteering in the community. Medical school administrators are also joining in the fight. Wendy Suak, I am the Assistant Director of Global Public Health in the Netter School of Medicine. Part of my job is I oversee community service for the entirety of the medical school. It's a priority because we really want students to get to see the community that they live in, at least for these four years that they're in Connecticut, but also to see firsthand what some of the more marginalized or disenfranchised or underserved populations are and what their day-to-day life looks like, the struggles that they face, and why and how that affects their health conditions, because these are all going to be future patients of our students. And so 
where better for them to get the experience and see it firsthand in the community. So I actually decided that it was in my best interest to also be out in the community alongside the students, both as a means to spend time with the students and give back, but also to see firsthand what our partners really needed. So I knew to direct students. So I actually went to a number of the pantries, usually with a group of probably five or so netter students every Thursday. And I know that it's an eye-opening experience. The first week I was at Loaves and Fishes, we packed 60 bags. Every week since then, we've packed, and this is just on a Thursday, they've packed an average of 350 bags. And so that's what you've seen. And when I would go pick up the food on Wednesdays from downtown evening soup kitchen, which was where the delivery was coming from, they also on Wednesdays at two o'clock would have bags of groceries that they would be able to give out to people. And clients would be lining up at 1130 12 p.m. waiting until two o'clock and every week that line got longer and longer and the other thing that's also a little bit disheartening is going week after week I would see the same clients waiting there too each week and it really underscores how the need has just gotten larger over time even as people have returned to work the need really hasn't abated because people have to be able to catch up on bills that maybe they haven't been able to pay. I was also doing a weekly delivery of food. So driving around areas of New Haven and West Haven primarily for the food delivery, you really see where there is a food desert, where there are no options and how difficult it can be for people to get, even if they could get out, which many of the clientele can't because they're homebound for health reasons, especially in a pandemic. I had an instance in West Haven where I had left food on somebody's doorstep for them and it's no contact. So you text them or call them and tell them you left the food there and the client maybe didn't get down there in time and somebody took the food. I was like, did this really happen? I felt so bad for the woman and I was like, did I drop it off at the right house? Like greenhouse, this thing outside? And she's like, yes. And I was like, oh God. And so I was just like, well, I'll go buy food. I was already in West Haven. So I wasn't going to drive back to New Haven, pick up more food and come back. I was like, oh, I'll just go buy new food myself. And driving around, there was no options. There was some, you know, small convenience stores on the corner, but nothing that I could give the client where they would also have access to fresh produce and everything like that. And I ended up going to CVS, which had the best selection, but also cost more money than most people would want to spend as opposed to having the option to walk or get a bus to a, a you know what we think of as a traditional large market like a shop right or a stop and shop so i mean to me that was a incredible that somebody stole food off somebody else's porch which again speaks to maybe the level of need in the community that that something like that would happen but then b how few options somebody has if they don't have transportation to get around or they can't leave the house due to health issues as well and I think that's true for most of our students, too. In some weeks, the food deliveries were smaller than others, where you may only get a bag of lentils and a can or two of beans and no fresh produce. And so you're seeing what clients are being asked to do with pretty little food. And how can you tell someone, oh, you need to eat healthier when your options are so limited? So much of healthcare is focused on preventative care, which includes things like having a healthy diet, but then it's also very easy to forget that not everybody is going to have the same access that you can hop in your car, drive to stop and shop and easily have the means to get there, first of all, afford the food, know how to cook the food, know what to do with it. And so going into the food bank, I think, is a really eye-opening experience for students because it also clears up some misconceptions that 
there are no healthy options in, in food banks because that's patently not true with the partners that we work with. But really, it shows students how difficult it can be to actually have that healthy eating, make it affordable, make it accessible. One thing that I've noticed in the last couple of weeks that's a different kind of issue is that the numbers of volunteers have dwindled. So when we started this, part of the reason Netter was so in demand for volunteer services was because a lot of the traditional volunteers, particularly at Loaves and Fishes, were above the age of 60. And so they were no longer able to come in and volunteer because of the own, their own health risk. So Netter really filled that need. But then now we still have a number of volunteers who haven't been able to come back. And now our students are returning to class and clinical activity. And so that's putting the pantries in an interesting position as well, because now the, the need is still there, the bags still need to be packed, and now they're lacking really two groups of volunteers. You know, it really, it warms my heart to see how Netter students were so willing and able to step up in light of it being a difficult situation. It is a health risk going out into the community during a pandemic. It's also emotionally trying, and so many of our students were so eager and really took on leadership roles with some of the organizations, which I think matter so much because students spend four years here. So this is their big part of the community, even if they intend to go back to where whatever their home state was, if it's not Connecticut. Community service dealing with the effects of food insecurity is also a big part of one Netter student's capstone project. She recently received a $2,000 fellowship from the Arnold P. Gold Foundation to help with an innovative program that fights diabetes with grocery store gift cards. The goal is to help close the gap between healthy food and affordable food in New Haven. My name is Jan Arangan. I'm currently a second year student at Netter, the Quinnipiac School of Medicine. And this past summer, I worked on my capstone project, which involved designing a grocery voucher program with the Fairhaven Community Clinic over in Fairhaven. I worked on building the foundational partnership between the clinic and a grocery store and starting to deliver essentially grocery gift cards to patients and following up with them on how they like the program. What's really cool is the clinic has already started providing free diabetes testing supplies and there's already a program to help patients with pre-diabetes veer away from becoming more sick. But something they've always wanted to do was address the food insecurity piece. It's one thing telling them what to eat, but how do we help them better afford those choices and being able to provide for their family as well. This idea came from a physician who I'm working with on this. She started up a clinic called the Diabetes Health Equity Clinic, and she sees patients who are predominantly lower income, but they have severe diabetes. And the goal of it is to provide them a space to speak directly with a physician, with a diabetic nurse educator, and really have the resources to focus on that one health issue. And this is fantastic because this is a person who is completely dedicated to talking to the patient about their diet, about exercise, about their lifestyle. And uh, of course, food becomes an important question. What are you eating? How much can you afford? What recipes do you know? And then from there, focusing on things to make their recipes more diabetes friendly. So replacing carbohydrates. There's a lot of resources available, but what was always lacking was that more tailored approach for patients. And from there, she then asks them, well, we're starting this program where we can give you this grocery gift card. 
And if you're interested, we'll give it to you over a period of a few months and also talking with the patient on how best to use it for their own needs, for their family's needs. And then after that visit, for the purposes of my projects, I'm able to give them a call and ask them how that experience went. And this summer was really doing a lot of following up, modifying our flow, and really trying to make this something that works with the clinic and also for the patients so it's more sustainable. Especially now in the era of COVID, I think that's, that's more needed because as we know, chronic disease makes you even more susceptible to a severe infection. Based on the successes the Nutter School has seen with these programs, administrators plan to continue sending volunteers and medical students out into the community to help fight hunger and food insecurity, even as the pandemic lockdowns start to ease. To learn more about the Frank H. Nutter School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University, visit qu.edu. And for more information about the Loaves and Fishes organization, go to loavesandfishesnh.com. Thanks for listening to Hunger in Hamden, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. This episode was reported and produced by Professor Ben Bogardis of Quinnipiac University's Journalism Department. Be sure to check out our past and future episodes, where we see how people across the community are helping fight hunger and food insecurity. Special thanks go out to Adam Sendroff, Isaiah Lopes, and the staff at the ML Keefe Community Center, Jason Martinez in the United Way of Greater New Haven, and its report, Facts and Faces, Food Hardship in Hamden. Quinnipiac Associate Vice President for Public Relations, John Morgan, medical students Anna Prohl, Anoush Kalarikian, and Jan Aragon, Assistant Director of Global Public Health at the Netter School, Wendy Seawack, James Kramer of Lowe's and Fishes, and many others. For more information on Quinnipiac University and the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio, go to our website, qu.edu slash podcast.